0: From New Orleans to Transylvania, there are cities and regions that, for one reason or another, have come to symbolise the darker side of reality. Be it apparitions or the occult, supernatural histories are everywhere, and they often provide a draw for tourists too. Venice is one such city, with many of its buildings able to tell their own ghostly tales, giving new meaning to the term floating city. You're listening to Tall Stories A monocle production brought to you by the team behind The Urbanist, Amadja Tuck. In this episode, Sarah Grice takes us through some of the haunted history of Venice.
1: The city of Venice appears to the autumnal tourist and wanderer as a ghostly dream. At this time of year, the weather is unstable the last of the Sirocco winds might sweep suddenly into the lagoon, creating disarming humidity and the dreaded Aqua Alta floods. On the other hand, the icy Bora winds can bring bone-chilling gusts of cold air and dense fog that creeps silently over the canals like a shroud. Linger a little in the twilight and the luminous beauty of the floating city becomes strange, dark and amorphous. Another side of Venice rises from the mists, a haunting maze of ruined palazzi, dank overgrown courtyards and uncanny reflections in the water. Venice has long haunted the literary, artistic and celluloid imagination. It has become a symbol of desire, death and decay, with artworks of gothic strangeness and existential melancholy, virtually defining its cultural legacy. It exerts a siren-like call upon artists from Wagner, Byron and Thomas Mann to Ian McEwan, Nicholas Rogue, and Sophie Calle. Perhaps the most iconic cinematic representations of the city are Death in Venice and Don't Look Now. Both weave together the ghostly, ineffable threads of death and desire. It's okay. I won't hurt you. Tomorrow is Halloween, All Hallows' Eve, or Samhain to use the Celtic name of this historically pagan festival. It is the time of year where the veil between worlds is said to grow thin and the presence of the dead can be most keenly felt by the living. To mark this rite of passage into the darker half of the year, I'm going to take a closer look at a site of urban threshold and ritual, Venice's cemetery island. The Isola di San Michele, floating balefully in the lagoon, is a truly liminal place, built in 1812 to contain the dead and to separate them from the living. I wanted to explore the history and traditions surrounding the island and the strange relationship it bears to the tourist industry that keeps the floating city alive today, even as it slowly sinks into the Adriatic. Until the fall of the Venetian Republic in 1797, corpses were buried on the island in the grounds of parish churches. There was no significant physical or symbolic separation between the living and the dead. However, under the new Napoleonic rule, Venice had to conform to the Edict of St. Cloud, issued in 1804 and applied to Italy in 1806, which prohibited burial within city walls. It further stipulated that funeral monuments be of regular size and their inscriptions regulated by special state commission. The underlying ideology, born out of the Enlightenment and the French Revolution, was to democratize the culture surrounding death. However, this ran contrary to ancient traditions of celebrating notable ancestors and death, evident in the great marble tombs of fallen heroes, artists, people considered of noble spirit, as well as those who had accumulated material wealth. The virtuous and the wealthy were entombed and memorialized in these great architectural monuments, remembered for eternity or until time and tides wear down the last vestiges of marble and stone. The Italian poet Ugo Foscolo wrote a poem called De Sepolcri in 1806, lamenting this new tradition and the Napoleonic decree. He believed it was important to make spiritual and aesthetic pilgrimages to the tombs of great and noble ancestors. Despite such resistance, new ways of situating and performing customary burial rites had to be found in Venice following this edict. The dead had to be removed from the island, yet in the specific urban confines of the Venetian lagoon, this was no easy task. The solution? A neighboring island, the Isola di San Michele, was transformed into Venice's city cemetery, a new burial ground that to this day remains liminal, neither within the city walls nor entirely outside its limits as, like the island of Venice, it exists within the ecosystem of the wider lagoon, floating gently on the tides. San Michele is a mournful and visually striking presence that can be glimpsed from the northernmost edge of the island, looking out into the lagoon from the Fondamenta Novem. The stately red-brick walls are lined by cypress trees, a facade which occludes the visually rich spectacle of death that lies within, the uncanny labyrinth of tombs, graves and mausoleums. Earlier this year, I took a pilgrimage to the island, curious about what lay behind its walls, and to visit the graves. The poets Brodsky and Ezra Pound, the composer Stravinsky, and painter Emilio Vedova are all buried here. This kind of journey is a ritual that survives to this day and forms a key part of contemporary urban tourism, despite the Enlightenment attempts to suppress the cult of death. It is still customary for the modern pilgrim, the tourist, Cemeteries, burial grounds, tombs, and monuments are still featured in every city guidebook, a staple on the route of urban exploration. At San Michele, I was struck by the immensity of the silence when I got off the public water bus at the stop named Cimitario. It was midsummer, height of the tourist season, and yet I was the only visitor, a solitary presence in a place of absence. I wandered past the monumental marble tombs of historic Venetians, with a sense of awe and wonder, but felt more unsettled when walking down the serried ranks of modern graves, indistinguishable from one another. The only other person there was clearly a resident, there to lay flowers and pay respects to someone known to him, and I suddenly felt out of place. I wondered why burial grounds had become configured as attractions, destinations, or sites to be explored by tourists and visitors and what the ethical implications of this are, in terms of the people who have personal connection to these sites. Can the impersonal aesthetic reverence from the visitor coexist with the personal grief of the bereaved? Since the aestheticization of death and the cultification of mourning in the Romantic period, cemeteries and tombs became solidified as sites and objects of fascination for the pilgrim, the tourist, the wanderer. When the cemetery first opened, the spectacular nature of death and mourning could be seen in the daily funeral rituals. A sombre procession of black, gilded funeral gondolas would float out to the burial grounds to deposit their cargo of bodies, living and dead, onto the island. Although this daily ritual no longer takes place, once a year the Cult of Mourning returns to center stage in Venice. On the 1st of November, All Saints and All Souls Day, Known in Italy as Onisanti, a remarkable event takes place in Venice. A temporary bridge is constructed, creating a material and metaphorical threshold between city and cemetery, allowing residents and tourists alike to walk between worlds, crossing between the realms of the living and the dead. The day is a national holiday, marking it as something that despite its pagan roots, retains cultural significance, both in the Roman Catholic calendar and the secular world. It is incredible to behold with the eye, but on a deeper level, this floating bridge signifies that this is a time of connection. People come together to honor ancestors, show reverence for the past, and hope for the future. Symbolically, this time of year is about preparation for the death and decay of the winter months that precede the life and regeneration of the spring.
0: Tool Stories is a Monocle production from the team behind The Urbanist. This episode was written by Sarah Grice and produced and edited by David Stevens. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast to receive new episodes every week. I'm Andrew Tuck. Goodbye and thank you for listening, City Lovers.